Preparation for the shaking. Uh, Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Psalms 107. We'll start there as far as our verses are concerned. I was was, uh, told by somebody that's been in ministry considerably longer than I have. I consider to be a godly man, a mentor. I remember it was, it was a, I think it was a year or two ago that he had shared with me one of the things that he does in the preparation for the year coming is to pray, Lord, what would you have for the season ahead of us this next year? And prior to that year, what, what is it that you want to give? And that preparation for the year in a sense. And I thought that's remarkable because for me, most of my mentality in ministry was preparation a week in advance, but never really thinking about a year in advance. But you know, a year is such a short span of time when you think of the way God orchestrates things. And so for me, it seems like it's a lot, but for God, it's just a very small span of time. As a matter of fact, James says that our life is like a vapor that appears for a short time and then vanishes away. Um, And so if life is just like a vapor that's here for a short minute and then it's gone, how much more is a year that lapses? Anyway, as I prayed and I took time, I felt like this was a start message for this year. I feel like it's it's an important thing. I've had numerous people coming into our first of the year mention, what do you think about? Uh, the new year coming. What do you think about what's going to happen in 2024? Honestly, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I can tell you I see what is happening. But I'll tell you this other thing. I see what the Bible says for times like this. I see that may we may or may not have a prophet of God, a real true prophet of God. There's a lot of people who are trying to claim to be prophets, but sadly lacking in the fulfillment of their prophecies. But the Bible is not lacking in its declaration. And we can see if we have not prophecy, we have biblical patterns. I want to think about the preparation for the shaking. I believe we're in a shaking time. I believe we need preparation to be shaken more. I believe this nation is going to be shaken. I believe the church of Jesus Christ is going to be shaken. We've had ministers long before I started this message sharing that with us and telling us it's happening and it's going to. But the fact that this room is not full of people is a revelation of how much we need shaken. What we saw happen in COVID-19 was a revelation of how much we need shaken. We need to be shaken. I remember, I think it was Leonard Ravenhill, he had said that Elijah didn't pray for it to rain. He prayed for the drought. He prayed for the nation, as it were, to collapse and come under famine and hardship so people would cry out to God. I think what we see as we become complacent and lethargic, as we've grown rich, increased in goods, we've had enough food to feed for days in and days out, and we've for the most part been taken well care of. We're used to having our our needs met and beyond that. In many other countries of the world, it's not like that, but here it is. And so as I think about this and ask the Lord, and I would ask you to do the same, God, give me a vision for this year coming. A lot of people are trying to tell us we're getting a revival, and I hope so. But I believe if we're going to have a revival, there's going to be a shaking before we get there. Because too many people want a revival based on 
the flesh rather than on the spirit. We want to feel good. We want it to we we want we don't want maturity. We want to be pampered in the spirit. It's time to be matured in the spirit of God. We are wasting away at the at the attitude our attitude toward the gospel. Our attitude toward people who don't know Jesus Christ as if they are not going to face an eternity without God if we don't preach the gospel to them. Every one of us need to know Christ for ourselves and we need to make sure we're letting others know that. And we need to go some extreme lengths to do so. I was reminded in, in our men's uh, meeting, I was reminded while I, we were talking about uh, the old man that I used to work for, Emory Stubblefield. I'll share a little bit more about him, but I was reminded of when I was just a teenager still in high school and here he was going to work every day. And that man had, I don't know how many years, but he was now in his 80s and he was a devoted, committed uh, iron worker working in a salvage yard. And that is no dream job. <laughs> but for him, it was his calling as far as he was concerned. It was no dream job for me. I dreaded going there. And I remember on the hot summer days, sometimes reaching 100 degrees or more in Walla Walla, I remember walking behind that man going to work, dreading the idea of going there and struggling. Why is he so committed and faithful? How can he be? And the devotion in his life, and I remembered something. I said this in the men's meeting, and I felt like it was the inspiration of the moment. I felt like God had given me that as the moment. And I remember he had burned 80% of his leg and 20% of it was a third degree burn. In his, I think he was in his 90s by that time. He was so devoted to going out there that when he could, he would. And he had, I'd watched him blown onto his back. I had watched him tipped over in a forklift. And I remember it was, it was the most hilarious moments of my life because I remember he went into the back of the salvage yard to go um, pick up something with the forklift. And it's a big 12-ton um, old forklift, Gerlinger forklift that he went back there with. And he hadn't gotten back and it was lunchtime. So I thought, I'm going to go back there and see what's going on. And I started walking back. And I, I saw this, what looked like a frame of a truck or something in the middle of the road. And I, I thought to myself, I don't remember there being a truck or something out in the middle of the road. And as I got closer, I'd realized that was the forklift that he had tipped over while he was trying to lift this thing in the air. And I, I hadn't heard hide or hair of him, so I ran up on it looking for where he was and looking in the cab and looking on the ground, seeing if he'd been pinned by it or something. And I couldn't see a shred of him in sight. And I thought, where in the world is he? And so we would normally go to his house for lunch. We'd just walk down the street. And I walked in, and there he was, cooking up his, his lunch. And like nothing had even happened. Nothing even happened. And it caught me. After he had burned his leg, I can't remember. I think he had returned a little bit. But he didn't really get to do much more for work after that. And I was taking care of it. He was so devoted that I'll tell you what that there wasn't any injury or anything unless it kept him from being able to physically go there, that he would make sure he would show up for work. And then I wonder about my brothers and sisters, why we don't show up for church. Yeah. 
we have 10,000 more reason to show up for church than he had to show up at his salvage yard. Why in the world are we so careless about the things of God? We need to be shaken, including me. Lord, we need your shaking in this hour, but in this, we need preparation for it. We need to be pre prepared for the struggles that are going to come in our nation and in the world around us. I think what we're seeing happen with Israel, I think that so many people are saying, I can't wait to see this come to an end. I think the end is Jesus coming, is what's going to happen. I don't think that this is an end of a war with an end of a war. It's going to continue. And you can hear nations starting to rise up with readiness to start going to war. So Psalm 107, I want you to again to turn there. And I want you to notice some patterns, biblical patterns, as we consider the preparation for the shaking of what God is doing even now. Psalm 107, I want to look to verse 4 through 6. Are you guys there? Psalm 107. I told you to get there, so you had plenty of time. I gave you preparation. Psalm 107. They wandered in the wilderness. So look at verse 4. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. You remember, these were the people of God. These were, this was Israel. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And He delivered them out of their distresses. You're going to watch this repeat. That's why I said the patterns. It's not just a pattern in Psalms, but it's a pattern especially in this Psalm, but it's a pattern throughout the Bible. I want you to look in verses 11 through verse 13. should be up here. Yep. Because they rebelled against the words of God. Do you hear that? Because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble and He saved them out of their distresses. They rebelled. He brought trouble. They cried and He delivered. That's the second time. Let's go to the third time. In verses 17 through 19. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their inequities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. I want you to look in verses 27 through 28. They reel to and fro and stagger like drunken men. They are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brings them out of their distresses. And lastly, verses 42 through 43. The righteous see it and rejoice. And all inequity stops its mouth. And whoever will, will rise, is, is wise, will observe these things and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and my dad had to put the belt to me <laughs> or the board or whatever you got back in the day, you know. I remember that was not a day I looked forward to. It was never a moment that I wanted 
to face that. And I don't know that I could have said that I translated that as the love of my Father. But so many, and especially men, men have said this throughout time. They've said, because my Papa whooped me, and I got a good whooping, and I got probably everything I deserved plus, I, it, did a good, it did me good. In, in time, young men have come to realize what my father did was a tremendous benefit to me personally, whether I saw the love in it or not. But when we look at this pattern, biblical pattern, for what's happening here, we see when we turn away from God, And we live our life, however you want to translate, but we do things separate from the Lord, especially Christians. And then hard times come and chastening and difficulty and hardship. And you wouldn't know the many ways that God would chasten us to bring us to the light. But isn't it amazing that it says the righteous see it and they rejoice. There's times I've watched somebody undergo the trials of God's chastening. And it has been one of the most difficult things for me to watch. Because I watched them reject or harbor or harden their hearts to God while God was doing the best thing they and the most important thing they needed at the moment. But essentially, even though it was hard, I rejoice because I look at it as like there's only one way they're going to bear fruit in the kingdom of God. And that is when God strips them of self, strips them of their way of living, and their way of doing things, their ambition, and Jesus Christ alone stands at the center of their life, and He can lead it. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. And so we're going to go through those. And so I think of it as, I rejoice, and it says in James, good book, by the way, good book to read. It's counted all joy, my brethren, when you fall into diverse temptations, brethren, knowing the trying of your faith works patience. And when patience is finished, it brings forth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Righteousness. We don't play around with sin. We don't fool around with being whatever we want to do. We've got some world to get out of our hearts. You know, it's amazing the Bible doesn't just tell us to get out of sin. It says get free of the world. Man. Get free of the world. It went from TV to Facebook, but I don't give a care what it is. Still the same thing. Is it the world that has got a hold of our hearts? So when we read biblical patterns, biblical pattern tells us what's coming before the headline news can announce it. You know it's coming before the news hits the air. Don't watch TV and say, well, now that it says it on news, now I know it's for real. Read what your Bible says and prepare for what's about to come. What happened in Israel was not really a surprise. Now, the timing might have been to us, but we knew those days were coming. We knew as days draw near that wars and rumors of wars, as said by Jesus, was going to happen. And so we're seeing it. Biblical patterns reveal our nation's true condition. We might look rich. We might look like we're doing good. Hollywood looks like it's producing movies like it always has. But we are in desperate need. We are in trouble. Major trouble. As we hear more and more of the transgender views and gay agendas and all of that taking over by force, grabbing 
not only kids, grabbing Christian kids out of Christian homes and changing and indoctrinating them to be completely different than what they are. It shows us that we, what condition we're really in. And the Bible told us before we ever got there. But the Bible reveals this as a pattern. We're turning away from God more and more, getting to the place further and further. Then we decided to drop in the middle of all this something called progressive Christianity. And up until a decade ago, as far as I know, I don't even remember the word ever being mentioned. Now, I will say it's just another version of what I would call uh, universalism or utilitarian Christianity, but it's the same idea. Everybody gets to go to heaven, live any way you want, and all that other stuff. Because we're all because of God's great love, we're all going to get to go to heaven anyway. And that's not what Jesus preached. Biblical patterns provide inside knowledge of what is to be expected and how to be ready for what is coming. And lastly, we already know from having read the Bible that God is shaking nations, calling for national repentance and urging us toward holiness. Urging us toward holiness. Now if you ask me, I would say this. What's missing out of the the Gospel message today? Holiness. It's completely devoid of it. Almost completely. We, We talk about the love of God, but we talk about it in the framework of failing, faithfully failing, at being faithful Christians. As if Jesus didn't have enough in His own power, the Holy Spirit... It doesn't have enough provision to keep us godly in this present evil world. But when we say that, I would say that a lot of Christians would say, I am saved because I believe in Jesus, but I'm not consistently living anywhere near a holy life. What's wrong with that picture? What's wrong with that picture? I'll tell you what's wrong with that picture. We found out that there was a bank account that we could go and withdraw any amount from. And we found out there was anything we could. And we decided to go get from that bank account and still live a rotten, selfish life all consumed about me. And that's called Christianity. And we did it under the name of the grace of God and through the cross of Jesus Christ. And we stopped living for God. We stop living a life disciplined for Jesus and stop telling the world about how important it is to follow Jesus. And we need a shaking. We need a shaking. Hard times are coming. I think we would be fools if we believed anything less. I want you to turn. uh, This is really where I wanted to go. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. I love the story of Joseph. How about you guys? The story of Joseph is one of the most remarkable stories in the Bible. And I have to say one of the most remarkable because all the follow-up stories are faithfully remarkable also. But Joseph's life is incredible. And so much to be gleaned in the sharing of this story. And I will say the context is not the context of modern-day Americana or the nations as it is, but it fits. What happened then is a timeless revelation of what we can trust in even now. 
Genesis chapter 41, verses 29 through 31. Hard times are coming. Hard times are here, folks. I mean, if you really want to get to it, it's just going to get worse, really. Uh, verses 29 through 31. How many of you are there? Yeah. Say preach it if, if you're there. <laughs> Good. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will deplete the land, so the plenty will, be, will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. Will be very severe. So in this, these verses we're, capture, we're capturing, God is forewarning Pharaoh and the known world of the time, especially Egypt, that they have seven years to get ready for a famine that if they don't get prepared for, they're not making it. They don't stand a chance. Interestingly, the Christians could have gathered back then or the believers back then and said, Lord, keep it from happening. And God says, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. Don't pray for it to not happen. Pray that when it happens, that you will understand and discover how to be prepared for it when it does. We're too busy about trying to keep from having tra tra travesty and hardship rather than, Lord, teach us how to lock in and lock tight with you, how to be truly devoted believers now so we're ready for when the bridegroom comes. So here we have this story. He's telling them about this time in the land of Egypt. And there's going to be not only normal increase, but way better than normal increase. And during that time, you have to store up. And some Christians have come to the idea that that's what we need to do now. That's our context. Store up now. Get food, get stuff. And I'm not against people doing that. The problem is, is that we've made that the whole context in our life. And we're all about getting ready physically for the battle. You're not even near close to spiritually ready. I mean, we put our money out and we're working harder and we're storing up and building underground tunnels and everything else. And we're not praying. We're not getting closer to God, but we've learned how to store up. And I've thought about this and I was like, well, what if I was the guy who had stored up and I found my underground... Uh, my underground tunnel or place to keep me and my family alive and, and war. I mean, the kind of thing you never even heard of hit the whole countryside and wiped, off, wiped out most of humanity. And I find out that finally it's died down and it's at peace and I can open the rooftop and come through the hole and find out what's left of the world. Do you think I want to live in that world? All this self-preparation to live longer. Not preparation for, I'm ready for eternity no matter what happens. Be ready, Jesus said. And I, Jesus wasn't telling us to go gather food necessarily. Now, if that's what the Lord is prompting your heart to do, please do. I'm sure that there's going to be enough suffering to go around that we're going to have to find ways to try and help and be there for one another. But it's going to be the kind of suffering that we've never even known, I'm sure. I don't know. I'm not prophesying to you. I just see from what we see happened in the world and what's happened in history, up until now in the Bible, there's things read in the Bible that just is so 
devastating. I can't even hardly believe such a thing ever existed. But God gave them prophecy and revelation prior to that time coming. The Word of God tells us that a day of darkness is coming such as never has been before. The Bible tells us that. There is a day that is coming such as never was before. God flooded the, the world with water. He said, I'll never do it with water again. But when it happens, it will be with fire. So it's not like there's not going to be another devastation. Remember the Great Depression? How many of you lived during the Great Depression? Jared lived in the Great Depression. Great to know that. I was wondering. <laughs> Some of us, most of us heard about the Great Depression. Well, that old man that I worked for, he lived in the Great Depression. And I remember him. Uh, and you, he had probably the right business for the time, and that was working with metal, but he was no rich man. And I remember just hints of the suffering and the difficulty and the hardship just to be able to survive in the time. Well, here's a few of the facts of the Great Depression. About 15 million Americans during the Great Depressions became jobless, and almost half the United States banks failed by 1933. Wow. Wow. That happened in our nation. So many of us have been so far removed from that, we wouldn't even know what that would be like. Even those in the United States who kept their jobs washed their income. So those who had a job, their income shrunk by a third. So they were living on two-thirds of what they normally would have. And for most of us, that wouldn't even be livable these days. And then lastly, the Americans did not imagine that the Great Depression would happen after the stark market crashed since 90% of the American households owned no stocks in 1929. So they thought because they didn't own stock that the stock market wouldn't ruin their lives. Now, isn't that interesting? Because I think many of us think, oh, there'd be great shaking and all of that stuff. That, those days aren't coming. We don't have anything to worry about. Why? Because of why? Because we, we think of different safety nets. But God will break your safety nets. God is sovereign enough to undo what's secure in order to get people to awake. God loves this nation. Remember that. The reason for the shaking is because God loves us. If we continue on in sin and prosperity, we are sure all to perish. But if God can awaken us and get us to quicken to repentance, He might be able to spare a great portion of us. And our nation and our family members and the ones we love. God is not doing it because He's trying to crush us. He's doing it because He needs us to bring brought to repentance. God has to judge us. There's no way we can get away from that. We have to stand in that. So hard times are coming. I think the Great Depression is going to look like nothing. That's my feeling. I don't think it's going to be, it's going to be like as if nothing compared to. I have known men that have gotten ARs and guns because they're ready to shoot off the people that are going to come and ransack their homes. Do you think you're going to know which ones to shoot and which ones not to? Seriously, I mean, I might be walking up, I might be walking to your home in desperation because my family's starving. And you may not know me as a brother. It's, there's all kinds of Christians we don't know very well within our community. Which one? Hey, how are you going to pick them out? And, and what we're going to do is we're going to fire on them out of fear because we don't know. And because we haven't walked close enough with God to know who it is. 
And so I don't know. I can't tell you what's coming, but I have tried to dream it up and think, even if you could run to the mountains, how long are you going to live up there? You know, like, what are we going to really do? It's going to be a devastating time. That's all there is to it. And we're not experiencing Israel is. War has a way of taking you out of the way. Here's another thought. And I'll get off this here in a second. You do all that preparing and you spend years to get it ready and one bomb takes it out. What are you going to do after that? You should have been praying. You should have been seeking the Lord. You should be getting your comfort from God. And sometimes not comfort, but the voice of God to give me an awakening for the moment. Sometimes I'm not looking for comfort. I'm just looking for God to give me what He wants for me to know. So out of Genesis 41, 32, I'm not giving you a prophecy. I'm giving you the Word of God. What happened in that time? And I think we need it for now. I was praying about this, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just dropped this in my heart. So I, I, I gave you the setup. Now I want to give you the sermon. Genesis 41, verse 32. Now Joseph is... Pharaoh's had his dream, and Joseph is standing before Pharaoh, giving the interpretation of that dream. So the hard times have come, right? or they're going to come, and Joseph is getting the preparation and revelation of God for Pharaoh, for the ruling authority in, in, in Egypt. Joseph probably never had any idea in his mind that that's where God was going to take him. So uh, chapter 1, verse 32, uh, just say preach it if you're there. Okay, I still got an audience, good. The dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God. And God will shortly bring it to pass. God gave him two dreams, and out of those dreams, he's showing him that he's establishing it. So the answer, or for preparation, what we need is this. The answer for our nation will be men and women who know what God is doing. They live close to God in spirit. That's the only way I can put that. There is something really important about knowing. I don't have the answers. I'm not going to find the answers elsewhere. God's going to have to drop them in my spirit. I'm going to have to get them from God. And I don't know how close we are in prayer as a family of, of believers, but I'm going to tell you, I think it's bigger than where we're at right now. Bigger than where I'm at right now. But we need to get to a place where we can, we can watch things that we have never seen and have never imagined, and we can have our hearts melted by the revelation of Jesus and know what He's doing. We have to know what God is doing. We can't spend our time circling around why is everything going wrong, so to speak. I love this in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. It says this, Those who do wickedly against the covenant shall corrupt with flattery, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Those who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Three Hebrew men through the fire without burning. Daniel in a lion's den without being chewed up. Oh yeah, they went through it, but God spared them. God showed them. 
God revealed to them. And they had trial, but they came through more pure than they were before they went in it. It's awesome. They that know their God. They knew better than to sacrifice for security or the idea of security. So we have to remember that by knowing what God has for us, that we are not going to be guessing or speculating. We're going to be knowing. That's the power of God's Spirit speaking to us. The power of God's Spirit is, I know that I know. I don't know how to tell you that, but I know that God has given me the revelation. One of my one of the favorite things I have heard was that there has been under persecution some of these underground churches that they couldn't tell one another where the location to meet was because they didn't know if there was a secret spy or somebody among them. So each one of them were accountable so much to God that they had to get the revelation from God where to go in order to meet. That's already happened. We're not waiting for it. That's already happened. It's just rather that's happening to us. But that's the kind of thing I'm talking about is that we get so close to God that the answer for this time coming is people that know God. Really, truly know God. I want you to go now to verses 41, chapter 41, verses 33 through 34. We're going to continue this thought of what do we need? What is the answer, the Spirit-filled answer for our time coming? And he says this, Now therefore let Pharaoh select a discerning... So Joseph is saying this, now that you've got the revelation, a discerning and wise man, and set him over the land of Egypt. And let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years. So we're getting knowledge from God. We know what God is saying. Now here's the other thing. We're not just talking about people who know God. They're people who are removed from self-promoting. I cannot be a self-promoting believer and listen to God at the same time and know what to do in these end times. The end times will be marked by non-self-promoting righteous. Their real promotion and authority will be given them by God. And so this is powerful because... Now you'll notice there's some verses under there. If you want, you can write, write them down because there are also verses you can go to in light of what I just said. So they support what I was just saying. And the Bible all over is all about the humility and coming to humility and being righteous in that sense. So the reason I say that is because even though Joseph had said... Joseph had it, and Joseph knew he was probably the right guy for the job. He didn't say, choose me, Pharaoh. I'm the right man. He said, let Pharaoh choose a right, right man among you. There's an attitude of, I'm not promoting myself along the pathway of hearing from God. Why do I say that? It's because, brothers and sisters, all many, too many uh, Christians, and the ones I love, are overtaken by TV evangelists that are self-promoting and, and flaunting themselves. We need men of God who don't need to flaunt themselves anymore. The only one that needs recognition is Jesus. He's the only one that does. And so all we're doing is, is setting our lives aside so that He can get that glory. And I love the way that Pharaoh looked at him. He's, he's like, well, who else but you? Who else is going to govern this but you? Who else hears from God like you do, Joseph? Now go to verses 35 through 36. 
And he says to them, let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. The great shaking, this great shaking will require the wisdom of God. Again, I've got some verses down there for you. Uh, I think so. Yep, there we are. So James chapter 1, verse 5, Colossians 1, 9, 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 8. This great shaking will require the wisdom of God. Let every man that lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally to all men and braids not. We need God's wisdom. We not just need wisdom, we need God's wisdom. Because when this happens, and that's what we see, is that we, don't, we can't say that the answer for our nation now is preparation like it was in Egypt. But whatever the need is, and whatever God's answer is, is going to come from the wisdom that God gives. And so while I'm talking about this devotedness to Jesus, all we're really doing is saying, I'm leaving no room in my heart to misunderstand because I'm letting the flesh operate me. God is the only one with the answer. Christians will be under the trial to find it. Lastly, Genesis chapter 41, verse 38, it says this, And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? I want you to capture that. If there's anything, that was this whole message right here. This is where I wanted to come to. I like to come to my climax at the end. I want you to hear what he just said. Is there anyone in whom can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? That's it right there. That's the answer. That's where we lead to everything I just talked about. Is somebody who's filled with the Spirit of God. Notice the disciples. They didn't move an inch after Jesus' death. They didn't go anywhere after His resurrection until they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit of God. In order to do what they needed to do, they needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There had to be a Pentecostal day. I love that. Now, we're a Pentecostal church. That doesn't mean we live Pentecostal lives. But I'm going to say the reason we call it Pentecostal is because we believe we should just say it's supposed to be Spirit-filled. That's what it's all about. And I believe Spirit-filled means you walk in the Spirit and you live in the Spirit. You walk like Jesus wanted you to walk. You don't compromise your life so you can live out the gifts. (laughs) Lord, help us. The final necessity of the last days will be the need for the, to be Spirit-led and Spirit-filled saints. Again, I gave you some scriptures for that. we got Romans 8.14, Matthew 4.1, Ephesians 5.18, Acts 2.4, and Acts 4.31. And that's just touching the surface. I'm not, I'm not giving you all of them. I just want to make sure that when you go home, that this sermon promotes you to study further. <laughs> we can go read those. I'm going to see what was said in it. We won't have the luxury of living in and out of the flesh. That's the the reality piece to this, is that we really need to be locked in with God. We need to know what God is saying. And I think we underestimate the necessity and the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
We underestimate the necessity and importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be Spirit-led, God-Spirit-led people. We cannot run around living in this flesh. We need to walk in the Spirit. We need to live life in the Spirit. Now, there's a lot of things, and I would agree with so many people, there's a lot of things that happen in the name of uh, Pentecostalism and whatever else that I don't believe in. I think it's missed the mark. I don't even see it in the Bible a lot of times. But that doesn't mean I don't believe in the real thing. Man, do I believe in the real thing. Man, the real thing has changed me. That man, Tom Cox, that I was telling you about, I remember uh, the guy that the Lord had, had spoke to, the friend, my friend that was having Bible studies at his house, and he said the Lord spoke to him, spirit-filled. The Lord spoke to him and said two miracles are going to happen in church today. Man, that was awesome. And he said uh, one of them was his friend that got saved, and the other one was this guy, Tom Cox. And Tom came to church on the invitation of somebody that had uh, gone to his place of business had been going to church, and he was the one diagnosed with prostate cancer with six months to live. And he was ready to come, right? Fresh. He came up and they prayed for him, and I remember this friend of mine, he touched him on his forehead and anointed him with oil, and he said the power of the Spirit hit him. The power of God hit him. He prayed over him, and Tom, Tom said, he said, I felt the heat from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And he said, instantaneously, I knew I was healed. He went to the doctor and confirmed it. But he knew he was healed. That's the power of the Spirit. That's what we're talking about. We're like, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that God can work through us with miracles in the shaking. We want the shaking. Why do we want the shaking? Because we want people who are complacent and liberalists and everything else out there to finally start getting a glimpse that their only hope is God. Yes. One of my favorite, and if any of you want it, I will find a way for you to get it. It's, it's a recording, but it's a powerful one. It's by Duncan Campbell and the revival of Louis. And there was in the community, the Spirit of God hit that community. They were in it. There was, there was one where they were in a dance and they came under the conviction and the power of God's Spirit and they were in a prayer meeting at like 11 o'clock at night in the church. How do you know? That's the Spirit-filled church. And they came to there because they were under such conviction under the power of God. They said, we didn't know anywhere else to go but come to the church. But to come to the church. That's why we need to be Spirit-filled. And you won't get it any other way. There's no other churches that are going to operate and bringing people, unless they're filled with the Spirit of God. We need that. So when people are like, you know, and the hang-up for a lot of people is speaking in tongues. Whether we speak in tongues or we don't, uh, whether that's the physical evidence, I'll tell you this. For those of you who are hung up on it, and they say, well, not everybody speaks in tongues. Fine, whatever. But I'll tell you this. Which one are you? The one who doesn't or the one who does? People give up on receiving the blessing of being filled with the Holy Spirit in power because they think that they're not the one. You might be just the one, so open up your heart to receive it. And some of the most wonderful testimonies has been people who spoke in a tongue, they didn't know it was a foreign language, and somebody else knew it was. <laughs> right? Just open your heart up to the gift of God. Lord, nobody needs to prompt you or make you do it. I remember men 
that I knew somebody got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in another language. It's just another language if you get it down to the reality. I don't know what you're afraid of. Really, when you get down to it, it's just another language. And why does God do that? Because when He first gave us, the, when Pentecost came and the, pour, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the people that were there, when that happened, they spoke in the languages of all the nations around them. Why? So that they would know that this was the gift of God being poured out over the world. And He's still doing it so that the world will not lose the confusion of it's still happening. God's saying it's for nations. Languages you've never said. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something. Some people made it all about that one gift. No, it's about the power of God infusing your life getting inside of you and working through you and giving you an authority and understanding of God and being able to pray over people and it's not your power, it's His power. It's His power. But He uses vessels. Men and women of God. One of my favorite verses is that this excellency of the power is in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of men. Me. You. And where does it come from? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Man, I'm so hungry, Lord. I'm tired of missing heaven by a mile or even by an inch. I want to have the outpouring of Your Spirit on my life. And if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, don't quit there because it said that they got filled again and the Spirit of God was poured out over them again and again. And we need the Holy Spirit afresh every Sunday, don't we? And I don't give a care how old you get. You still need it more. And that's what made Joseph so remarkable, even though what he was filled with the Spirit of God, and even though ours, there's a difference, there's a New Testament difference, and we just say a greater fullness, a greater fullness to being filled with the Holy Spirit. If that's what he had, then imagine what we get. Right? And if the disciples couldn't do it without it, why do we think we can do it without it? Well, that was the dispensation in the past. You better start reading your Bibles again. I'm telling you, dispensationalism is eroding away at the very precious gifts God has given from generation to generation. So He closes this all up and Jesus comes and finishes the work. Let's give Him His place in our life and let Him do His will. And Lord, if we're missing anything, help me get there. I remember if I saw something, I was just young enough and smart enough, not dumb enough, just smart enough to believe that if another Christian had it, so could I. <laughs> I could do it too. I could have it. I don't know. Why Why did you get it? Well, some special... Nobody ever told me they were a special you know, favorite of God that He only gives it to them. Now God gives gifts to those who are willing and He gives special gifts to those He's chosen for those particular callings. Don't miss that moment. Don't miss it. You ready for the shaking? We're getting there. We're getting there. Praise the Lord. I want to pray and I want to give you guys an, an opportunity to just respond to the Lord. Uh, man, I get anxious sometimes when I hear a good word. I just want to respond to the Lord, respond to Him. Um, and we're going, to have, we're going to have our potluck, but we don't want to miss an opportunity to get spiritually fed in the light of what the Holy Spirit is doing. God is filling this church. He's going to fill us with the Spirit. If you're hungry for the Lord, make your way to the altar. I want to pray and Feel free to do it while I'm praying. Um, I'll ask for the worship team to come up here in a second. As you sense I'm closing the prayer, just go ahead and come on up. Father, thank you so much, Lord. Lord, I love this. I love this because you give us 
a preparation for. You don't tell us that you're going to keep it from happening. You're going to help us, Lord, when it comes. And Jesus, all I know is this. We need to be filled afresh. We need a new anointing from the Holy Spirit. God, I need a new anointing from the Holy Spirit. And I speak for my, my brothers and my sisters here with me. We are equally in need right now. And Father, as the world is crumbling around us, we need more as we watch the world crumbles more. So Father, I pray for everybody in this place. Would you raise our level of expectation this morning, this afternoon, and receive a baptism, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, a fresh infilling of your presence, your power in our life. We want to know you, Lord. That's all we want to know. We want to know that we're listening to you and nothing else is getting in the way of that. So Lord, help us respond to you this morning. Help us respond. Brothers and sisters, just ask from the Lord whatever it is that you want God to do in this moment that would meet the need. I think you can sense that in the moment. Would you just do that? Feel free to come up as we're singing. Just respond to the Lord. Don't let this moment pass you by. In Jesus' name.